you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary To the beach of Malibu Everybody knows it's coming apart Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is the second part of the previous episode where I talked about the uh, the uh, my theories on uh, masonry. But first, the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. The reason I had to break this up into two parts. In part, these two episodes are... Not just interrelated by uh, the principles of how masonry operate and their end goals, but also because they're historical. As I promised earlier, um, today's topic is, or I'm sorry, this episode's topic is going to be on the concept known that. Today's countries, as they're presently, um, as they're presently formed, are actually artificial concepts or constructs. I'm sorry, constructs. What do I mean when I say this? It's very simple. Countries like America and Mexico were Masonic constructs to begin with, especially in the case of America. In the, in the case of Mexico and every country in Central and South America, these were former Spanish colonies who the Masons started um, quote-unquote wars of independence so that they could become democracies 
you know, which they ended up becoming what America is and always has been, banana republics. Um, unfortunately, in the last episode, I forgot to mention these examples. These were also test runs to see um, the... The purpose of a test run or an operation is to see how the operation will actually turn out and take the information that's gathered and use it for future operations. This is straight up, straight out of any operational intelligence handbook. It's called, um, it's also used in wartime intelligence is called as operational intelligence where you will run an operation and you will gather the facts that you have recorded and then you will apply those facts to future operations now when i say most countries are artificial constructs you have to be historically literate and underst uh, to understand what I'm getting at. Now, when I say historically literate, this is not a slam. This is not, I repeat, this is not an insult. Um, many people aren't interested in history. Uh, a lot of Americans, despite the fact that they read out the garbage history books put out by interested parties, um, Anybody who has an actual history, excuse me, interest in history will realize that these books that you buy, these history books in Barnes and Nobles or whatever your favorite uh, chain bookstore outlet may be, um, they're written in a shallow and superficial way to people who are ignorant of the subject and have no way of processing the actual quote unquote facts that are projected in these books. Um, in, in the case of America, the Masons actually, as I said previous in the previous episode, actually formed our, our quote-unquote country um, under Masonic lines, um, America can actually claim to be the first Masonic country. This too was a test run. This America was actually the political and intellectual laboratory on how Masonic principles can and and goals can actually be implemented to run a society and a culture. Why do you think the United States government is so fascinated with going into third world countries who could care less and forcing Masonic concepts in places like Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, pick your unfortunate third world country? Um, but... If America is the first Masonic government, um, Masonry before 1700 was already busy undermining the European royalty into 
quote unquote democratic rule before the Protestant revolt. While the Catholic Church was holding Christendom in together, they realized in order to further their their agenda, they had to break up Christendom's hold over Europe so that the royalty, for whatever personal reasons they wanted to have from breaking with Christendom, would be susceptible to the idea of they get to run their countries however they want to, regardless of what the Vatican had to say. Obviously, given the Protestant revolt, there were many takers to this proposition. But as I said, like their master, and I'm talking about Satan, when Satan offers you something or allow, you know, gives you the opportunity to engage with destructive behavior, there's always agenda behind it. In the case of the Masons, they offered the idea to these deluded princes that, hey, break with, break with the Vatican, form your own country, and um, you'll be free from their interference. What they didn't tell the princes is, is that, oh, and by the way, two or three hundred years down the line, we are going to overthrow your royal house, and we are going to turn over your country over to us, i.e. Masons. But to go back to my earlier example of the Italian and German revolutions of the late 1800s, when these things occurred, um, I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that Bismarck was a uh, Mason. And definitely the guy who led the Italian um, revolution against the various different countries and principalities of Italy, or I'm not, I'm sorry, not countries, territories and principalities of Italy was definitely a Mason. And in, a, in addition to America, Germany and Italy at that time, we're definitely Masonic constructs. Now, to the Western Europeans of, say, France, uh, England in particular, France and England in particular, or You're later Portugal and Spain, they might argue, well, our countries are not are not Masonic constructs. They, they, these are literally countries, and they existed before the um, public establishment of Masonry in England. I want to give my arguments against this. It's very simple. In Christendom, within France even under the kings of France, and I'll get to England in a minute, you still had pockets of independence underneath the French king. The center of power was in, under the French king. However, the dukes and nobles of each individual 
province, I don't care if it's Normandy, Provence, pick your French uh, territory, was underneath a, a prince who was answerable to the king, and both were answerable to the Pope in Rome and to the bishops put over them. In England, prior to Henry VIII's um, revolt against uh, against the uh, Christendom, the English king was the same way. The power, the seat of power, originally rested with the English king. And even after his revolt, for a short time, it still did. But after his royal family lost power, it was fixed so that the king and queen, and it didn't matter which one it was, had no real power in the running of England. It, the power of the country, actually, oh, I'm sorry, the power of running the country actually um, existed within parliament. It actually existed with parliaments and the House of Lords. So, when the power devolved in France and England and Spain to a certain degree, because even before the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s, royal power in Spain, thanks to Napoleon's invasion of Spain, had pretty much broken the hold of the Spanish royalty over Spain. These countries de facto became artificial constructs because the power no longer derived with the royalty, it actually um, derived from the representative parliaments of those countries who, by the Protestant revolt, there were a great deal of out-and-out Masons and what I call Masonic adjacents. When I say Masonic adjacents, remember from my last episode, I talked about willing, or I'm sorry, unwitting idiots. The Masonic adjacent are just basically um, witting, or I'm sorry, unwitting idiots, supporters. And so when the secret society masons decided that their time had come to make their presence public, already the, the royalty of all of Europe, or most of it, I should say, because I do have a pretty good grasp of history, the majority of the royal houses of Europe had already cut their own throats via their kings and their princes and were already under the influence of the Masons. But when I say that countries... The, the countries of today, present day, right now, are artificial constructs. 
I want to give a try to be brief with this. They are artificial in the sense that when Europe went to war in World War One, there was reason I picked World War One because World War One was the culmination of worldwide Masonic dominance. That is why World War I. And by the way, these are all my theories. I'm not stating these factually. These are my theories. But World War I, by the end of it, pretty much destroyed any hint of, at least in Europe, any hint of resistance to Masonic ideas and principles. And to my more historically literate listeners, the Treaty of Versailles is famous for um, is famous for the two artificial constructs of countries known as Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Finland gained its independence too through the Treaty of Versailles. For th- I realize a lot of the younger types are not aware of Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia because they haven't existed since the 1990s. A brief thumbnail on these. One of the principles of the Treaty of, or I should say one of the demands of the Treaty of Versailles was that Austria-Hungary, the kingdom of Austria-Hungary, be broken up into its individual components. Now, out of Bohemia, and I forget the second territory that is next to Bohemia, they made Czechoslovakia, and out of Yugoslavia, the territories of Serbia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia, oh, I think I said Serbia, and Macedonia, there, I think there's one more territory, were cobbled together in what is known as Yugoslavia. These were artificial constructs of countries based out of territories that had their own traditions and cultures, that it existed for millennia, that under the Masonic Treaty of Versailles, they decided, well, you're going to be artificial countries like America, and you're going to be governed from the capitals thereof. Now, in the case of Yugoslavia, they got a fake king known as King Paul. I don't remember. He had some number. And Czechoslovakia had a president. In World War II, when Hitler invaded Yugoslavia, the fake king disappeared, replaced by Hitler's rule. And in the case of Yugoslavia, the president was out and out killed and turned into a protectorate of Nazi Germany. But... This also was a test run. The reason I talk about countries in present era and society being artificial constructs is that every country is run, and even even in 
in the cases of literal dictatorships, every country is run by, in the case of a quote-unquote democracy, some sort of either parliament or congress led by a quote-unquote prime minister or president who is either an out-and-out mason or they are Masonic adjacent, useful idiots, as I said earlier. In the case of a dictatorship, these guys operate with the permission of whatever Masonic lodges are controlling the country and those Masonic lodges decide that basically these dictators hold their power to the permission of the Masons in charge. Now, once again, these are just my theories. Um, there's a lot of people within the set of movement who take a sanguine view or an ignorant view. The sanguine view is, is that, well, the Masons are a bunch of idiots. You know, they'll be easy to outwit and outthort. Or, you know, we can always, you know, rise against them and fight them. Once again, this is going to depend on two things. Number one, the will of God. Remember, nothing happens on this earth while we are on it until the end of time. Without That does not happen without God's permission. But the second thing is, it's going to depend on the country and the Masons in question who are running the country. I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that if there's anyone foolish enough to raise a revolt against a Joe Biden sock puppet that's in Washington, the full weight and force of the United States military is going to show them that their notions were ill-conceived and ill-planned. And anybody, uh, any student of recent history will tell you, given Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya for that matter, um, I, I take that back, let's skip Libya, but definitely Iraq and Afghanistan will tell you that when the U.S., military decides it wants to level a patch of ground. It's going to, and the results are going to be hell on earth, to quote an old cliche. But in other countries, it's going to depend on the parties in power. Um, in the case of Russia or what I should say, the former Soviet Union, it was decided to make artificial constructs in the former, what was known as Eastern Bloc and within the Soviet Union itself. Just replacing the communists with undercover masons who pretended to be democratically elected for the sake of their ignorant voters. And... You know, if I have any Russian listeners out there, your Vladimir Putin, I don't care how 
based and red-pilled you think he is, is just the opposite side of the Joe Biden sock puppet that's currently pretending to be president of the United States. And their contempt is so low that they literally put out a drooling Alzheimer's patient as president, and there's a large segment of the population of the United States that thinks that this guy is actually, as we say in America, copus mentis, and that there's nothing wrong with him. I'm stating this for a fact because I tried to tell a certain normie friend of mine this fact, and he wouldn't believe it, even though my grandmother was an Alzheimer's patient, and I've seen the symptoms up close and personal. But this is not a personal story. This is about Countries being artificial constructs. This takes me to the second part of countries being artificial constructs. Prior to the parliaments and congresses taking over Europe in particular, as I said earlier, under Christendom, the king ran the dominions underneath of him known in a larger degree as England or France or Spain. But as I said earlier, uh, in Spain, take uh, the province of Leon or the province of Seville, and these countries, even though they were underneath the king of Spain, held on to their traditions and their customs and their cultures. So whereas the king of Spain might have ruled and wherever the center of Spanish power was during the Middle Ages in Spain or France or England, each individual territory or province had its own culture, society, and um, way of doing things. When the Masons actually took power in Europe, and you got to remember what I said in a previous episode, the Masons look like the Chinese look like Americans. They did this over centuries. What they did, what they, what they did, and what they intended was, was to make, to break the individuality of each territory and providence under each country, in in the case of Western Europe, England, France, Germany, and uh, Spain, and make them as homogenous as possible. And all homogenous means is the same. Is the same. And the reason they did this was, is... You cannot centrally control a people, no matter how diverse there are, unless you make them all the same. That is the purpose why the United States government is interested in invading third world countries and turning them into, as our uh, heretical, uh, pagan, uh, Islamic enemies say, the sons of Satan. What they don't realize is they're, they're every bit as sons of Satan as the United States, but not because 
Um, they have the power, but because they worship the wrong God. Sorry, any Muslim listeners I may or may not have. Islam is a false religion. Allah is a demon. Anyhow, so. Every country. And, and by the way. I, I have a worldwide audience. I bet if I were able to speak with anybody outside the United States and Europe, they would say that their representatives neither have the interest of their quote-unquote country and their quote-unquote citizens, uh, their best interest at heart. That basically that their motivations are either politically motivated or selfishly motivated, which has been the case. For very for centuries. And oh, as part of our countries being artificial, the pagans, and when I say pagans, these guys unironically call themselves pagans. They want to return to the Vikings or whatever country they're from, their their pagan ancestors, and just um you know, they just they they want to go to paganism. I have the same amount of contempt for the pagans as I do the Satanists, because if they realized in, in the case of the Vikings, just how barbaric and ferocious that the Vikings were, they probably wet their pants and cry for the Vatican to save them. In the case of the uh, the Mexicans, if they realized that the reason why Cortez was able to con- conquer Mexico with such ease was because the Aztecs were so bloody and so barbaric and so tyrannical that the individual Indian tribes that the Aztecs had conquered willingly joined Cortez so they could get rid of the Aztec king known as Montezuma. They too, if they realized that, yes, the Aztecs really did rip out the hearts of their sacrifices to their sun god out of living human beings, they too would run crying, horrified, to the Vatican for help. But anyhow, it, from an anthropological standpoint, each country in Europe, depending, I mean, not right now. Right now, human beings are probably as homogenous as they're going to get. But way back in the Middle Ages, different territories, even cities and villages had their own dialects. So when the nationalists in England and France get PO'd that their Masonically controlled government from the EU is importing people from third world countries into their countries and they say, hey, we have our own culture and our own language, they are more right than they know. And I sympathize with that. However, they're missing the force for the trees because... And I'm going to get to the particular monstrosity known as the European Union, Masonic European Union, in a minute. Um, 
they're missing the forest for the trees because their governments are controlled by out and out masons. They do not have. They have the Masons that are actually in control of the European Union have more um, their goals and goals are more than just political. They've done a pretty good job of destroying um religious um I'll just call it sentiment for lack of a better word religious sentiment within Europe however um that had been going on since the Protestant revolt and it reached its culmination in World War 1 if a person had any and I'm when I say person, I'm basically talking about a young soldier of World War I. If they had any attachment to God via through Catholicism or the heresy of Protestantism, the experiences of the trenches in World War I probably knocked it out of them unless they received a singular grace from our Lord and his blessed mother. But now the European Union, as it was constituted, or as is constituted, wants to finish off the job and make Europe a, an, literally an atheistic form of government. And they, when I say that our, uh, my European listeners missed the forest for the trees, they're looking at the politics, not the religious goals and goals. And furthermore, since... As much crap as Americans get about being historical illiterates, I've met plenty of Europeans who are the same way. They think that the the seeds of the um, European Union were planted in the 1990s. Some of the more intelligent will realize, no, it actually started in the 50s. Those who know the score knows that the United States government, after it conquered Germany, well, basically Western Europe, after World War II, uh, put in a puppish regime in Germany under a, uh, I think in West Germany it was the president, I think the gentleman's name was Andauer. President Andauer. And in France, there was a prime minister of the Fifth Republic after World War II who was also a puppet of the United States government. They got together and they were the ones who formed the germ of the, un of the um, European Union. And this happened at around 1944. For those who want to challenge me on this, it's in Paul Johnson's book, if it's still in the book, Modern Times. The author's name is Paul Johnson. He was an English journalist. In the 1980s, he published a book called Modern Times. It's in that book. So the seeds for the European Union were planted as soon as the guns stopped firing on May 8th, 1945. What you're now suffering from in present era 
is the culmination of the European Union. My theory why they started the European Union, as I said, America is an artificial construct to begin with. So whatever Masons came up with the idea for the European Union probably said, okay, we have, we have America as the original Masonic country. Let's see if we can cobble Europe together and make a Frankenstein monster aping the United States. Now, to those who think that they're smart, they're the 300 IQ paste-eating brigade, they're going to say, well, the European Union is an idiot and doesn't know what it's doing. I would like to remind you that the people calling the actual shots are not idiots, and what you're actually viewing are actual... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um... What is the word I'm looking Oh, inefficiencies. Inefficiencies of an overly large bureaucracy. And I am led to believe that this is done on purpose. Because in America, and I'm speaking from personal experience, if you've ever dealt with a bureaucracy and you tell your buddies about it and say, man, you know, the license branch sucks. They'll say, yeah, well, it's a large bureaucracy. What are you going to do? And I've heard stories during the Soviet Union that the average Russian did not like their own communist bureaucracy. I believe that this is done on purpose because it gives the citizenry a very shallow and superficial explanation. Well, you know, we have a large state. There are going to be inefficiencies in the running of our government. And by the way, I've done enough reading about Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. Your average German and Italian had the same complaints. I believe this is done purposely because it directs the focus because everyday people have to lead their day-to-day existence. If you need a license to go get something, or in the case of communism, you have to stand in a bread line for 10 hours to get your inadequate loaf of bread, It takes your mind off of the nature of the government, the nature of the people running your government, and their end goals. It also takes your mind off of, well, there's got to be a better way. Hence the purpose of my two podcasts. There is a better way. It's called One True Religion and Homage, Love, and um. Worship of the one true God and his blessed mother. That is the purpose for these two podcasts. However, the reason I did this episode was in my own clumsy way to try to show people that the Great Reset, I believe, is going to be the culmination of Masonic plans. Because right now, you have the United States, you have the European Union, and the rest of the world is underneath whatever Masonic leader that they're under. Under the Great Reset, it's going to be worldwide. And it's going to be centrally located. For those who need to know, well, where's the segue? Who's going to be running it? 
at this point, I have to ask you 300 pasty, uh, 300 IQ pasty eaters out there. Does it matter? Because a worldwide government, ask any heretical, misled Protestant or ignorant Protestant, and by the way, when I call Protestantism heretical, I'm talking about the, the belief system, not the individuals practicing it. I consider them misled and ignorant. And when I say ignorant, it doesn't mean stupid. It means you don't know. In the book of Apocalypse, it talks about a one-world government. Certain Protestant sects are on, they're on the right track. They realize that the book of Apocalypse, or what they know as the book of Revelations, is literally a um, prophecy and that it's coming true. However, because these unfortunate Protestants are in the wrong belief system, they can't put it together because they don't have the truth. And depending on the individual, they either don't know about the truth or they're unwilling to admit the truth. Pre-Vatican II Catholicism, if you're interested there are certain Vatican II sect members under the same delusion. However, theirs is different in two senses. Number one, they do not realize. They, they may actually think they're part of the uh, Jesus Christ, one true Catholic church here on earth, out of ignorance, or a stubborn refusal to realize that the Vatican II Council is heretical. The Vatican II, a lot of the Vatican II prelates, popes, and priests are out-and-out out masons. They refuse to even entertain the thought. If you turn your eyes away from the truth, you cannot recognize the truth when it is in your face, waving and screaming, uh, waving its hands and screaming in your face, hey, hey. Wake up. Hello. Hello. Wake up. If you, you know, I have more, I have more sympathy, as I've said in earlier episodes, for people who are genuinely ignorant of the facts, who are at least willing to entertain ideas that may seem either intriguing or at worst case scenario, sound like a crazy conspiracy theory, to quote a popular term nowadays. But that is why I heap my contempt and scorn on certain segments of these individual groups. I have no sympathy with people who want to close their mind to the truth. I have no sympathy with people um, with people that think that they know better. Now, does this mean that I want that segment of the population to go to hell and burn for all eternity? No, it does not. But as I've said previously, I can only put out the information what the information, what you do with the information, and if you even are willing to accept it, is up to you. 
I am not a liar when I say I'd like to see as many get people get to heaven as possible, and I'm praying for everyone. That is true. However, Catholic spiritual teachings have taught me that not everybody is going to get to heaven. And we do have free will. And there are some people who are bent on using that free will. Anyway, um, I, uh, I don't want to see these people go to hell. A hard lesson that I'm trying to learn right now is, well, I take that back. The hard lesson I'm trying to learn is no matter how many episodes I put out, no matter what my approach is, what, no matter what my resources may be, people are going to write me off as a loon, a crank, a nut. I can't change that. And I'm trying to quit being so carnal and worried about if the message is being accepted and just putting out the message. That's the part of me I'm trying to learn. Um, you know, people are people. Those with ears and eyes are going to hear and see. Those who want to keep whistling past the graveyard are going to do so to the detriment, and I can't express this enough, if you are married, your wife and your family, or your husband and your family. And I mean this sincerely. God help you because you're, you know, when these things kick off, it's not a matter of with, it's not a matter of when. When these things kicked off, you're going to need all the heavenly help from our Lord and his blessed mother that you can get. And as far as the spiritual goes, when the, when the great reset, i.e. the great tribulation happens, the time frame, as I never get tired of saying, does not matter. If you're not in the correct spiritual relationship right now, and you die in that state, then the end result, the end result is going to be the same as if you lived through the Great Reset or the Great Tribulation, except those who actually have to live through it are going to wish they've never been born. Whereas if you die in your sins and go to hell, you're going to wish you never existed. And I'm not saying this lightly because in my deepest, darkest pagan time, and this, this is a little personal, but it needs to be said there was a period in my life where I wish I had never existed. And the reason I hated God with every fiber of my being was because I did not want to exist. Now imagine feeling this forever. 
Not for five minutes, not for 30 years, not for 100 years, forever. And that's what being in hell is going to be like. Because whether you like it or not, you do exist. You do exist. There's nothing you can do to change it. God made you. God wanted you to exist. So your choice is very simple. Get right with him and his blessed mother and somehow try to repair the damage that whatever you've been through has done to you. Or go for it to die in your sins and live in hell for all eternity, not just cursing the existence of God, not just cursing your own existence, but cursing the existence of everybody in that you've ever known in existence. But um oh to circle back before I close out about the topic of today's episode, that countries being um, artificial constructs. I remember back in 2018 when on YouTube, all the right-wing, red-pilled European YouTubers, mostly English because I don't speak any other language, were griping and moaning about how... um. You know, they were English people. They were English people. England for the English. And a lot of these guys were being ignorant in the sense that, let's just say in the Middle Ages, and you were from Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton was your country, not England. If you're French and you're from Marseille, France was not your country. Marseille was. If you're Spanish, Madrid was your country, or um, Barcelona was your country, not Spain. If you were German, Nuremberg was your country, not Germany. If you're Italian, well, they'd always been principalities. If you lived near Venice, you were Venetian. If you lived near Genoa, I believe that's in Tuscany. You were Tuscan. If you were Rome, uh, lived in Rome, Rome obviously was your country. If you were Sicilian, Sicily was your country. And within Sicily, there are actual provinces. Like uh, uh, Palmero in Sicily, They, they were Palmerians, not Sicilians. And for my American listeners out there, before America became the corporate entity it's always been in your face, if you were from Charleston, South Carolina, that was your country. If you were from Jackson County, pick your county or your state, you were from Jackson. Your state didn't matter. Um, You know. Till, till America was broken, I mean, it was broken to begin with, but the Nash, uh, the local characteristics, characteristics, you know, of a particular area of whatever state you lived in actually got broken and it amalgamated into this Frankenstein monster known as modern culture and society, 
you were a product of your locality, not your state, and you definitely did not consider yourself a quote-unquote American. How Americans said of Acontis don't know this. The only charitable thing I can say is, is they are ignorant and they don't realize it. And I'm not necessarily even speaking about the fact that I covered in two previous episodes how they could pledge allegiance to a Masonic government that's literally satanic. So that's it. That's the second part. I hope and pray that my listeners can get past what may appear to them, what may appear to them as mocking and condescending tone of this podcast. Um, it's, as I said earlier, I am not trying, I am not trying to be mocking. I do not consider myself the Einstein in the room. I am trying to inform people. The reason that my tone may sound, depending on the person, of course, mocking or sarcastic is there's a reason I don't talk, try not to talk about this too much. I get really, really intense. And since this is an episode and not a rant, I wanted to keep my tone conversational. And also because I'm new to trying to actually be pious and devout, I have not learned yet how to talk in a non-offensive, family-friendly way that is not going to bother people. I mean this sincerely. I, I'm sorry about that. But I am who I am. And I am who I am at present moment. I'm not going to try to please people that I don't know um, by trying to be somebody I'm not. If you find this tone sarcastic, belittling, or mocking, I can only tell you that I'm not trying to be I'm just trying to be conversational. So that's my disclaimer. If you want to write it off as, oh, well, he's doing it for legal reasons. Oh, he's just doing it because he wants a large audience, blah, 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 blah. You think what you want because Lord knows I can't control the way you think. Enjoy. You know, enjoy. I don't care. Just a quick note. I know there was some background noise. My notifications went off during the podcast. I'm going to keep this up because I feel like I nailed it on this episode. I'm just going to ask for your patience and your forbearance in the fact that there was some background noise today. I try to keep the background noise to the minimum. So one bad episode out of, you know, one or two bad episodes out of a sampling of at least 50 episodes, I think is acceptable. I hope and pray you guys find this um, edifying. I hope and pray you find it edifying. I hope and pray that the Holy Ghost touches you 
and that you will make the proper adjustments. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible, and I pray for everyone. You can take it for what it's worth. Um, Oh, okay. Um, But once again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying this every episode before you can accept the graces that our Lord and his blessed mother give you, you must first learn to recognize those graces. And the only advice I can give you is, if something seems like a grace, take it and hold on to it with both hands. If your intentions are pure and sincere, if you have the wrong um, if you have the wrong understanding that that wasn't literally a grace, trust me, if you're if you're and I'm speaking from personal experience, if your um if it wasn't a grace that you grabbed onto, our Lord and his blessed mother will help you to move beyond your mistake. So, thank you for your time. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.